No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world, and I'm here today with my boy, Almighty Suspect, and we are engaging in a conversation with a very, very uh, important man who has a very important story that we got to tell. My man, Bangham Smurf, is on the line. How you doing, man? Hey, man, what's up, brother, man? Everything blessed. I can't complain, man. Thank you for having me on this platform, because it's a huge platform. You ain't have to have me on it. Oh, no. Definitely. That. We're always down to to talk about some hip hop history and, and find out where somebody's at and everything. I mean, we were doing a, a drill interview the other day with yeah. a, I, I can't remember Ron it was one, Suno. It was Ron Suno, Ron right? Suno. So he was saying some like Bangum. He's like, I, I invented Bangum, and I was like, You don't know about Bangum Smurf though. And he he's he's yeah, a younger yeah. guy, so he really didn't know what I was talking about. And uh, that that just kind of sparked it, and somehow we started the conversation. We we're like, let's let's have a conversation. That's crazy. How do yeah, you not know who Bangum Smurf is? That's what made me reach out to you. Oh, I, yeah. I be checking you out before the podcast when you used to go through the hood in LA and all that with the ball head. You in the hood with all the gangsters. Yeah, back before I settled down. Hood <laughs> vlogs. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but them joints was hard though. I used to tap in with them joints. Hell yeah. Going all the hoods in LA and all that. Appreciate it, man. So, all right, let, let, let's go back to the beginning of all this. Tell us about uh, your upbringing in New York. Or it well, started my in New York, right? In New York. I landed there in 88. Okay. Know, that was the, the, the prime time of hip hop because I, I was born in Trinidad. So my family migrated from Trinidad to New York in 88. I actually landed in Brooklyn first. Okay. You know, so I moved to Queens in 91. So that's Do you got I any early in. Trinidad memories? Like before you came here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I got a lot of memories, man. I used to, my pops used to be police. He used to have me playing with guns when I was little down here. You know what I mean? My mom's was a, a fighter. She used to brawl. So I got them kind of stories. I mm. remember them, them joint. You know, me as a kid, you know, swinging from tree to tree, thinking I was Tarzan, running around barefooted and all that. You know what mm. I mean? Because back then in the 80s, it was it was real. It was different. No lights down there. Everything was dirt roads and all that. You real know third I mean? world country activities. Yeah, third world vibe. Yeah. And, and so, so your, pa your parents just wanted a better life in New York or what was their goal there? Yeah, they wanted a better life, you know, because back then a lot of people was migrated in the 80s for opportunities, you know. So my, my aunt went out there first for college. You know, she had a scholarship. She went out there for college, wound up getting married, and then she filed for everybody, and whole family went up there. Hell yeah. So, so what was it like adapting to New York at that time? I was young. I was like six. Okay. So I, I just, wherever my mother was at, I was good. You were. Right. <laughs> But adapting to that lifestyle, it was different because remember, I came from the bush, the jungle type vibe, the seeing big buildings, you know what I mean? Everybody fly on the block, the cars, the gold chains, you dig? Yeah, so, so you know, the experience, it was a whole different culture environment. shock. Right. So did you get entranced by the, the hustler mentality and lifestyle from an early age? Oh, yeah, I grasped that early. Because in Brooklyn, I used to live on East 34th between Snyder and Tillman. That's Flatbush and all that. Shout out to the whole Brooklyn. And my building, I used to live on the third floor. So my building, seeing the whole block, my window from the bedroom, I'm seeing the whole block. I'm seeing everything. The drug sales, who getting beat up. Yeah, I'm seeing everything. So, yeah, I, 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 got, I caught on fast. You know what I mean? I was outside early, too. And then I had my big cousins and them out there. So they used to hold me down, had me doing real wild. Back then, they used to call me Daredevil when I was younger. You when know you I mean? I'm fresh from Trinidad, yeah. So I was a little wilder than them. Remember, I'm from Trinidad, climbing trees and wilding. So they used to have me jumping from roof to roof, <laughs> doing all kinds. Of 
So they used to call me Dead Devil. You did? <laughs> Damn, all right. Back then in Brooklyn. Did but you I ever get like any? Did you ever get like um like teased in school for being from a different country? Like yeah, early of course, on? You know that. Yeah, 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 of course. Of course I did. You know, when when I moved to um America and started going to school, the kids used to think I was Haitian. Mm. Back then <laughs> in the eighties, early nineties, any um Caribbean alley, they used to think it was Haitian. Mm. It's either you Haitian or Jamaican. Yeah, yeah. So he's, I used to get in a lot of fights back then. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, when did you move to Queens? Or at what, what were you out? 91. 91, okay. At what age? I was 10. 10, okay. So you're still a young guy and you moved to Queens. Yeah, yeah. I moved to Rosedale, Queens, you know. And that's where I started to meet everybody. You dig? And that's when I really started hustling and all that. I already had the, um, the ambition to get to the ground because I was in Brooklyn. Everybody in Brooklyn was fly. So when I moved to Queens... It was like, I went from the buildings to living in a house now, you heard? Because Rose Queens is different than Brooklyn. Yeah. So it's like you went from living in a, a apartment buildings, now you're living in a house, you got grass, you got gate around your joint, you heard? So it's a little nicer. Uh, yeah, it was definitely nicer, but same activities, because I moved across, uh, right um, across the street from my house was the drug house, a drug mm. block. I mean, a drug house. Right. Selling drugs right across there, so... It was a better place, but the activities are still there. So what? You just went over and volunteered your services? <laughs> huh? You went to the crack house across the house, the street, and you were just like, "Hey, I'd like to get involved." Nah, nah. Actually, <laughs> I, I I got good with one of the guys that was hustling because he was older than me, and he liked me because I stood out from the other kids, and I was real hard headed in me. But he showed me, he introduced me to sports back then. So before they even give me a pack or whatever. Like, we used to play sports. Like, my mother had me playing all the sports. I was in baseball, football, basketball, you know what I mean? So the, the hustler actually introduced me to sports. Like, yo, because he was a coach. He used to coach the teams, the little kids and all that. So he was like, yo, come join me, you know what I mean? Definitely. So I'm, I'm going to be real. Like, from listening to what you said in your songs and how people talk about you, it seems pretty clear that at one point in your life you became a shooter. Yeah, yeah. Was that at a young age or did that come later? No, nah, that was like twelve, man. <laughs> really, and and did it feel kind of normal at that time, or or was it like, oh, I'm like the one dude from this area who's really down to get down like that? Nah, you had a lot of dudes my age that was getting busy and getting money that time in Queens, because that era in Queens, early '90s, everybody was getting money. Mm. You got all the young boys was getting money, so you had a lot of young boys that's active. So is that when you started to meet some of the later members who ended up becoming the original G Unit members? Nah, man. Like, this this real this, pre this completely predates that. Yeah, this is way before that because before I, we even started the G Unit, like I said, the Lost Boys was the biggest movement ever in Queens. Can you dive into the Lost Boys? Yeah, so I was a Lost Boy first. So like at that age, 12, 13, 14, I was a Lost Boy. I moved from with Freaky Time, Mr. Cheeks in it. Oh. You dig how I got introduced to the Lost, but I told you I was living in Rosedale, Queens at the time. So I was over at my um my homie Bo house in Rosedale. Then they had this guy, like this guy was just different. Like his name was Silky at the time before I got to know him, but he had a dirt bike. He was just fly, always stood out. Like there was something special about this guy. But me and him became close. And this was freaky Todd little homie from 134 God Blue Lost Boy. So that's how I migrated to South Jamaica, Queens. I linked up with Silky, and Silky was a hustler. 
That's why I was saying around 12, 13, I was getting active. So around 12, 13, we going out of town. We selling crack. You know what I mean? Weed, everything, you dig? And I used to hold all my guns down for Silky. He, like, really guide me and showed me the ropes and introduced me to everybody in South Jamaica, Queens. He, he introduced me to 50 as well. What, what well, was... As well. What was going out of town like for you at that time? Like, what, what would an average out-of-town trip be like? Say we say we go to Pennsylvania, we go to Allentown, you know what I mean? We, we'll hustle out the hotel. You know, you got the gas station across the street, Wow Wows and all that. That's where all the fiends and all the truckers are, you know what I mean? So they'll just come, you know what I mean? Once you set up shop, man, once you got them big pieces, man. They coming, man. So that's because not like 13? Our pieces, our 10 pieces was like, our 10 pieces in, in, in New York was like 20s and 30s out there. But I'm just imagining yeah. like. Being does, a 12-year-old. Yeah, and doesn't that mean that you have to, you're basically going to be going to war with the local drug dealers? Yeah, but we have connects out there. Oh, okay. We, we have a homie like Drew. Like when we used to go hustle out there, we had the homie Drew out there. So Drew knew everybody out there. So we used to get work from Drew. Me and Silky, so they'll take us out there. Drew already got the whole shit sewn up. Letting them know my two little homies coming up. Ah, 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 ah. Hammers on deck and show us what to do. Just stay here and move them joints. So you said you was 13 doing this, right? Like hitting the road, you know what I'm saying? Do your thing. Yeah. How was your yeah. mom's feeling about you disappearing at like 12, 13-year-old? Like, did she know what was going on? Was you just disappearing? Like, how was that was with moms? I was just disappearing. My moms used to have a, a fit. But how I used to get away with it sometimes, too, because remember I said our big homies was actually doing the music, hip-hop, because mm. we was Lost Boys at the time. We was just young hustlers. So that was a rap group. Lost Boys was a rap group. Yeah, a, a rap group and a crew at the time. Okay. It was a, a rap group and a crew. You dig? So weird. I tell my mother, like, yo, I'm going out of town with the homies. They got shows or they got promo run. So that used to be my excuse. Mm, so, yeah, we, yeah. Going on the, we going on the road to do a show, you know what I'm saying, and y'all really getting jiggy <laughs> in the streets. Yeah, yeah, facts, facts. Okay, so yeah. how long and once I, you got your feet wet? Around this time, lifestyles of the rich and shameless is taking off too. Mm. Yeah, with, with with cheeks and top. Yeah. So y'all had a single. Yeah, well they had a single. They was the had you the the main crew. Okay, okay. Mr. Cheeks. So how Mr. long? Big nights. How long before you start hitting the road? Before you start getting into police activity to where they start, you know what I'm saying? How long is it you have your first run-in with the law? My first run-in with the law, that shit happened in, um, in junior high school. Mm. I was like 13. Can you dive into a, a story for us? Like like first I was, time or? I was I was facing 10 years at that time. That's that's the first time I've even been to Spofford. Mm. 10 years yeah. for your first case? So right, I called my first case. I was like, yeah, I was facing like 10 years, man. And what age was that? Huh? What, what age was that? I was like 13. 13. 13. So yeah. How was it being 13 in a, in, in a, a juvenile facility fighting such a large time? How was that? It was back then, like, that was the thing to us. Like, we gangsters, my nigga. So that was, that was normal to us. You know, that was just like a little vacation. You look at it like that. So that was, that was normal activities, you know, going in and out of jail at a young age, you did. Mm, just typical activity. Mm. Yeah, regular activity, south side, you did. Right, okay. So when when did you meet 50? I met 50 like, uh, what year I met 50? I was like 14, 
say like nine four, nine five. Yeah. Okay. And what what was your first impression of him? Bully. <laughs> <laughs> that that was his bully. his style from early on. <laughs> yeah, fifty been a bully his whole life, man. Like, let me tell you how I first met Fifth, right? I'm riding my bike to 134. Because remember, I told you I was staying in Rosedale. That's like five minutes away from God Brewer. I lived on 147, God Brewer, where we hang out is 134. So I'm riding my bike to God Brewer and all that. Boom, to meet Silky. Long story short, I'm waiting for Silky. I see this big nigga grilling me, son. This is my first time meeting a nigga. I knew who he was, though. But it's like our first introduction. See this big nigga grilling me and shit. I'm like, what the fuck wrong with this nigga? But I'm saying this in my head. Nigga just looking at me and shit. You know, back then we used to be grimy too. We had the little dredge twist up, hoodie on. I'm on the bike. So he looking, he looking. So he come walking across the street. So then he he calls Silky over like, yo, who, who the fuck this little nigga, man? He was like, nah, that's Smurf. Wow, what's up? He was like, nah, man, because... No nah, man, I was about to slap this nigga and everybody he know, man. I don't know this nigga. You know what I mean? So he was like, yo, what's up? And I wasn't talking to the nigga, you right? I ain't saying nothing to the nigga. I'm just listening to what he's saying to Silky, you right? So I'm definitely not talking to you now. He just said he was about to slap me and everybody I know. Because that's his block at the time. He ain't know who I was. You already out there hustling. You see mm-hmm. an unfamiliar face on the strip. It was like that back in the days. If you ain't from an area, niggas will check you, you right? if you, if, they, if they ain't know who you was. So long story short, Silk was like, nah, he good, he good, you heard? You know what I mean? So we just rode across the street. And the funny shit that I had a 2-5 on me the whole time, so I could have violated you, right? Mm. You dig? But like I said, I already know who homie was. I already know he the big he the big stepper on the block at the time. So so how did you hear him? Yeah, so from, from there, me and Fifth got cool, though, because he liked me, because you know, everybody else scared of the nigga. He could intimidate niggas, so he ain't seen no family. So from there... Me and boy was good. So that's how me and 50 first met. Interesting. So, yeah. okay, did you guys form like a relationship from right from there or how did that go? Yeah, because remember, we was the two. I was a young active guy in my hood. I was with whatever. I was getting money. I was flying. 50 respect that kind of shit. Niggas that could hold their own shit and don't got no fear, you dick. Definitely. You know I mean? Yeah, so me, we got tight after that and then, you know. And then he knew my big homies was the Lost Boys when he figured out who I was. Oh, I got such and such. Yeah, so we got good after that. We all from the same neighborhood. This is legendary shit I'm telling you about. Real hip-hop shit. Because the Lost Boys and and Junior for the sake of unity. Right. The Lost Boys that's on first. Yeah. Definitely. That's the tricky tap. Yeah. And, um, but so... I mean, you knew 50 for a long fucking time there before he even started to get anything going on musically, right? So how how was, yeah. what was that from, time from period like? Before he, even, before he even started to rap. Before he even started to rap then, like I said, he was on the block. When I met him at the time, he was 18. You are? I saw you. So you, you was 14 and he was 18. So he's like, who this little ass nigga on my block? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I'm looking grimy. I got the hoodie, got dreads. I'm on the bike. Know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So that's probably a part of the dynamic too, because he a little older. He feel like you the little uh, okay. Or or now we now we putting it together. You know what I'm saying? So so how long was y'all together until until he started making music? Like how long was it? Remember, we from the same community at the time. We hang out together. The whole other hang out together. Black parties together. Going trips together. You know what I'm saying? 
So the the the, the um bond was already there. We we all from the same block. He hustling, I'm hustling, and dig. So the bond was there. I was just doing the lost boy thing, you know. I was just moving with the lost boys. So we, I go on shows with them. You did tour and shit like that with that. You did. But we always good, always good. Cause even his first video, the murder video from '98, you could see me in there. I was 17 at the time. But but did, me and Fit was always good, always good. But you I told you he liked me. What, I, I held the block down for real. But when did you start to have like a relationship that was the kind of relationship where you were actually like, you know, really having his back? Because at some point you're really like, you know, defending him and taking on all his beefs and shit, right? Yeah, 99. So we're going to rewind in 99, you know? So in 99, 99 was like a a drastic year for our community and our hood because that's the year we lost um, Freaky Ty from the Lost Boys, rest in peace. He died in March. And then, then Fifth got hit. Think he got hit like in May. Mm. You dig? So they killed Freaky Tuff and then they shot up Fifth. You dig? So that's when me and my homie Root Boy and shit, rest in peace, we we, we ain't respect that. We we looked at it like niggas taking our block like we saw. So we just started spinning on everything from there. So from 99, we just spinning. Fifth ain't even have to tell us to spin. We was just spinning on everything. Rest in peace, Root Boy. So when 50 recuperated, he told Yayo, because Yayo from the block too, shout out to Yayo. Yayo was always the rapper though. His rap name was Marvelous in the hood. He was he was always a rapper too. He dig before 50. He was the rapper in the hood. Marvelous. Shout out Tony Yayo. So long story short, um, 50 told Yayo, like, yo, tell Smurf I wanna holler at him. Because you know, he he hear about me letting that thing off in the hood. He was like, yo, tell Smurf I wanna holler at him and shit. You did so boom, I linked up with Fifth. And he let me know. He came to the hood first. Like when he started to walk back, he sneaked through the hood, picked me up, and we went for a spin. So he was just telling me everything he wanna do. And I'm like, man, shit, man, I'm busting my gun in the hood for free anyway, my nigga. Whatever, <laughs> if we gonna get rich behind this mm. shit, let's go. So he was like, yo, all right, I'm gonna come back for you next week. We're gonna go to the Poconos and we're gonna have this official meeting. And then me, Root Boy, and a few other niggas, we went out to the Poconos and, you know, sat down, formed the G-Unit. Ah. Everything was a goal for me. That happened in the Poconos when you guys went on vacation yeah, and came Poconos. up with the idea of a G-Unit? No, he was recuperating because after he got hit up, right. his baby mother, Shaniqua, she had a condo in, the, um, in PA because that's where the Poconos are in PA. So she took him out there to recuperate. So while he recuperating, we out there back and forth, making sure he good and whatever, whatever. Damn. So what was yeah. the what was the game plan from early on? Was it all about his music, or was the plan to always like put together a a, a crew and and make it like that? The, the, the plan was a crew because he 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 see he couldn't do it himself because he he had the solo career with Columbia before he had got shot. But in this industry, you need a crew around you. You need some serious niggas around you. Because remember, mm. there's some serious niggas in this hip-hop shit. And if you don't got the right people around you, them niggas going to be escorting you left and right. You right? <laughs> That's hip-hop, bro. Like, this hip-hop is, is gangster shit. You dead? So that's what it was. Mm. And at the end of the day, nobody knew us. We, we young niggas at the time. And the guys we warring with could be our pops. So we ain't really care what they did in the 80s. You heard? Like, it's 2000, nigga. We them niggas now. So we ain't really care about what they did. And that's why 50, I say, I give it a 50. He's smart because he picked up all the younger niggas from the hood that wasn't around for that ever. That's why he ain't really fuck with the older niggas from the hood 
So when you're speaking you know, about they, the older they, niggas, are you talking about Supreme? Scared. They were scared. They were scared of the niggas okay. we was walking. When you talking you about did? the older niggas, are you talking about Supreme and his crew? No, that's what we was walking. I'm just saying the older guys from my hood was kind of scared and intimidated of Supreme and them. That's why 50 scooped up all the young boys. Because he knew we young wild and just don't give a fuck. We don't care who it is, man. And 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 we and we really looked up to uh fifth too because you know he, he was a major figure in the community. So just as a, a street dude, he wasn't this was like or was his music starting to take shape already at that point? Nah, his music started to take off. When when you mean when when we formed G Unit? Yeah, like was was there already reason nah, to believe his already. Oh, okay. It was already he going got on. Shot up. Columbia dropped him. Oh, right. Okay. He got shot in his mouth, so they dropped him. So they thought he was finished, and then remember, John, them niggas popping at the time. Right. And that's who he was going against. So Columbia was like, man, this nigga shot up, and he got this powerhouse he wore with. Like, they got rid of him, and that was the best thing they could have did. So this but is. But he had an album done already. Um, Power the Dollar. That nigga was about to pop. He had songs with Beyonce off. That's no Destiny Child at the time. He had a song with Destiny Child Order. This is post How to Rock? album is a classic to the day. That's the album with the Ghetto Quran on. No, nah, yeah, Power of the Dollar, because that got re-released after, and that was actually the first 50 project yeah, that, that I was, got that into. That was actual album before G-Unit, before anything. That was an actual album right there. So this after How to Rob? Yeah, this after How to Rob. Mm. How to Rob was like a single, I think, right? Do you remember yeah, the reaction? Yeah, single. Do you remember yeah, the reaction from How to Rob that y'all got? Like, how was that, yo, dropping bro, How to Rob? Yo, bro, it was crazy, bro. Like, it was crazy, bro. A lot of people ain't like that record. <laughs> and 50 knew this. Like, and this is the thing. Like, he's always a strategic dude. The guy is smart. He did that just to get on in the game. Mm. You dig? Well, if you don't know me, you gonna know me now. And that's why he wanted all the big dogs in that. You dig? And all the big dogs fell for the bait because all of them responded, even Jay-Z. Mm. He, he and he responded in summer jam. I'm all about the dollar. The fuck is fifty cent? So when fifth old that, that was the best thing Jay could have done for him. He's like, yeah, this nigga Jay just you dead, right? Like he yeah, just co-signed him. So all them guys fell for the bait. He loved when everybody responded. Wu Tang, all that respond. Shout out to um Raekwon. That's my dog. Yeah, definitely. So okay, where, where should we pick up? From here, what's what's the next major occurrence? Or should we just talk about uh, the forming of G Unit? Then there, but we could talk about how you see. Remember, so after that, we we formed the G Unit now, mm-hmm. and that's when we started dropping the mixtapes. Yeah. So like I was saying, Marv Tony Yeo was always the rapper in the hood. You dig? So we used to do mixtapes while Fifty was shot up. We used to do the One Three Four All Star mixtape. Yeah. So that's when we 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 found out who Lloyd Banks was, Christopher. Yeah, because he was a young kid from our neighborhood, and he just came to the black. The, the boy could spit Lloyd Banks. So from early, Yayo put him on to um, DJ Ruffin. I was a DJ in our hood. I used to drop all the mixtapes. So 50 heard Lloyd Banks on that mixtape. That's how Banks got put on with 50. You right? Because Banks wasn't around when we used to hustle and do whatever we did. He kind of younger than us, and you did so, but the boy is talented. So 50 heard him on that mixtape and snatched him up one time as well, too. And now he now he got Yayo, he had Banks. He had he had um he had two mouthpieces with him now. He formed the team. He got the group. And then he got the street soldiers that's putting work in. So our energy on the street is what made G what it was. Because what they was talking about, we was actually doing. 
You dig? So them G-Unit mixtapes, that's how Banks and, and Yayo really got their buzz and 50 got his comeback and we just flooded the game. And I heard I heard I heard um Jim Jones talking about they was the first one dropping mixtapes. Nah, bro, like that was all us, man. <laughs> like years before Dipset too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nah, Dipset was making noise at the time because that was the competition back then. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was, it was Even then. Dipset, it was Dipset, D Block, and State Property. Mm. Yeah, before G, you know, we just came and bumped everybody out the way. Like literally, yeah. Literally. Yeah, like just moved everybody out the way. <laughs> and everybody's everybody's most viral moments became them beefing with fifty after that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But and and one of the most dopest times too is like the, the C D actually reached Eminem. Mm. And I me and fifty had our own company before G Unit. We we did the Hollow Point, we had Hollow Point Entertainment. We did that shit with Land Speed. We dropped the Guess Who's Back C D. Right. Yeah, that's the one Eminem heard. Yeah, that's how we wound up getting that deal. So Eminem con- convinced Dr. Dre, like, yo, man, go half with me with this guy. Be the next thing. I know. And I mean, the fact that you guys were partners on that label at that time really says a lot about how deep your relationship was. Nah, the, the bond was there. I was the closest nigga to the time when he, when he was coming back, man. I used to open doors for him. I slept in his bed. Like, that's my son, Godfather. Yeah, so I I so you guys were were good up until what point? You you caught a case and that's how you fell remember, out. We, remember, we on tour. We was on tour. We touring the world. Get rich or die trying. Just drop. It's popping. Oh, all the way through that and everything. Okay, so how? Yeah, I was how... There. Like we fell out on tour on the road. We leave mm. Boston, like I said. Get that's rich or die popping. Like it dropped February. We in April at the time. We touring everywhere. It's crazy. Two three shows a day. It's bananas. But it, we blew so fast, it was a lot of things going on on the road that 50 wasn't seeing, that I was noticing, that I didn't like. It takes so long story short. Me and 50 road manager got into an altercation. That's Marcus. And 50 spoke about this in the book, but this is why I don't understand how he made me look like I'm a rapper in the book. He said I was an artist in the book. That new book he just dropped, I don't know if you, 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 you checked it out. No. Yeah, but he, he he mentioned me in the book and the situation about the tour. But long story short, me and the road manager got into an altercation. You dig? And 50 ain't, ain't like what happened. Like, me and the, we, we, we popped on the road manager or whatever. Why? What did he do to you? It wasn't even my situation, but I just ain't like the way Marcus used to move. But he was beefing one of my little homies, Jesse, right? At that time, it was mad throwback shirts and shit on the road. Boom. Long story short, Marcus said Jesse had his wearing his jersey. He can't find his jersey. Jesse stole his jersey or whatever the situation may have been. I went out there to defend my boy. You dig? So I'm like, yo, what? But I was waiting for an opportunity to, to really pop on Marcus too. So, hmm. so you used that as an opportunity to pop on him. You used yeah, that. Yeah, so that was my opportunity to pop on him at the time. So I went outside, I asked him, like, yo, what's popping, my nigga, what's going on? He was like, yo, your homie got my shirt, tell him pick it up. I had a gum stain in it. I picked the shirt up. The boy definitely had a gum stain in his shirt, you know? 
So then he started getting hype and all that. So I'm like, yo, bro, calm down. That nigga told me some slick shit. Like, nigga, go get your gun. <laughs> and then he told Jesse, you come around the corner. So I, I took that, like, as a disrespect. Well, I don't need no gun for you, nigga. So I punched the nigga in the face. We getting it on or whatever. 50 here, the commotion. He come off the bus. He like, yo, what's going on here? But this is where I could say, when I look back at it now, I messed up. I should have just explained to him the situation. Like, nah, bro, this is what happened. But instead of that, you know, I was raged up, my blood boiling. I kind of caught attitude with Fifth. Like, nigga, don't ask me now. Ask your man. What happened? Why he got washed up? I shouldn't have did that. Mm -hmm. did. So when I look back and shit now, I should have just went on the bus and sat down and explained to him what happened. You heard? So, and that's what happened. So I told him, ask your man what happened, man. Why he got washed up? So then he looked at Sean Money XL, and he was like, yo, let's fly all them out. So he flew me, Jesse, and um, Marcus back out. So from there, I'm back in the hood now. <laughs> and that's when I started working on my artist, Domination. You know? impressive now to Do show him I'm business-minded. You know? Do you feel like like that was a shot? Like, I'm finna send you back to the hood, little dude. Like, 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 do you feel like that was a shot, or do you feel like he was just kind of wiping his hands with the situation, or do you feel like that was a little bro situation? I, I, it was a little bro situation, right? Because I was given a lot of trouble, right? He's, I, I, I will never make it look like I'm the innocent or this, I'm innocent and that. He did sat me down a few times, like, yo, you gotta relax, you gotta calm down. So we had conversations, you know? mm. So I guess that was the last straw with him, like, yo, let me send him back to relax. And then when I look back at him now, when he trying to tell me to chill, he trying to let me know, like, yo, bro, you don't gotta do that no more. We made it, dog. We could hire guys to do this. Right. We made it, but I understand at the time. I'm looking at, yo, you the big homie, man. We still got unfinished business. Just because we made it, these niggas we won with still got money, nigga. So that's how I was looking at it. I never really explained it to him like that. So that's how I was looking at it. Like, man, we can't ease up the gas now. This is what got us here. The war not over so, yet in your head. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in his head, he just wanted me to be easy. But you see, I'm 42 now. Back then, I'm 20, 21, 22. I'm young. But so the, now the, I understand what he was trying to say. Like, nigga, relax. Nigga, you don't got to do that. Nigga, you're valuable. Cool. He's really trying to keep you home because he want his, yeah. his his closest ally. He want him close to him. He don't want to be, yeah. you know what I'm saying, putting money on his yeah. books, paying for bills. He really need his closest ally close to him. But in your head, he is it's not connected. You know what I'm saying? I mean, plus, there was a lot of people around him, too. And he, he can't, yeah, everybody wanted to get, I, I was the closest nigga to the guy. So everybody wanted to get next to him. The records execs, this one, that one, down. So he had a lot of people in his ear, too. Like, yo, you don't need these guys no more. This it, one won't bring them down. It's interesting to me bro. because, like, a lot of rappers kind of blow up and get money, and then they basically just continue to, like, fund their fucking war with their rivals. Mm -hmm. And we obviously yeah. see that with the Young Thug thing and everything. Um, but it's interesting that 50 was, like, kind of ready to just move on and be a superstar and just forget about the yeah. street shit. Yeah, he was. And that's why he's so successful now, because he got money to do a whole lot of shit. He just don't pay attention to the bullshit. But if you bump heads with the nigga, <laughs> it'll be an issue. <laughs> right. But he wouldn't go out his way to say, like, yo, I'm going to go just bomb all these niggas. Because he on a mission. He about his money. You did. Sound like he was trying to help y'all avoid a Rico. Uh, nah. It wasn't all this camera and all. This ain't this generation. You said that's that new shit. <laughs> this, this that new shit. We, we gangsters, my nigga. I do a thousand years for any one of my niggas to this day. Like, I'm a different nigga. I'm a gangster for real, my nigga. Like, 
I've done beat bodies, got locked up for bodies. We've been doing that. I thought I've been going to jail since 12. Like, so going to jail is not an issue to me. Like, I was facing 10 years at 12, 13, so that's not an issue to me. Like, so I, it ain't no Rico. He know I'm solid. Right, but so... And why I could say I'm solid, because I've been in these positions. I've been in positions where I'm locked up. Telling the police, suck my dick, I'm going to sleep for a murder. Taking a straight at speedy trial, putting the pressure on them. Speedy trial is they got six days to find mm-hmm. a witness, they evidence everything. You got to know the law. You got to business. You got to know the law. You got to know what's going on. You can't just be saying you a gangster and you don't know the system and you don't know how to get around the system because there's loopholes in the system. Right. But the, the beef, the beef, you guys really stopped fucking with each other because he didn't want to bail you out, right? Yeah. So at the time when he sent me back home now, like I said, I started to work on my artist domination. So I went back to the hood to, just to try to impress them niggas. So I'm like, I'm gonna go to the hood. I'm gonna work on domination. I ain't I, I, it wasn't no beef at the time. I was in the hood for four months before I caught that case. It wasn't no beef at the time. I was just working in the studio on my artist, putting out material, putting out music and things like that. It did so when I did catch the case. Yeah, son ain't want to send me my money. Like, I wasn't calling him for his money. Mm. And that's why a lot of people get it confused. Like I said, we had our own company together, Hollow Point Entertainment. We dropped that independent on land speed. That shit sold over 400,000 copies independent. It did. So long story short, we got $5 off everything sold. I had 17% of the company. I generated $1.3 at that time out of jail. That's my percentage of the money, you dig? So I'm calling him for my money. Like, yo, bro, you dig? My mom's everybody. So they, they, what I got back, like, yo, you know, tough love. You got to learn a lesson. But that's not how you teach a gangster a lesson, leaving him in jail and not sending him his money, like my money in my name, Daniel Khalid. So that's why I, that's what hurt in me. You mm. know what I'm saying? So that's when I came home and I just started tripping, man. So my mom sat up the crib up and all that. How long was it until that to where you heard the line, I'm like God to you niggas? Oh man. Oh, and how did that make you feel? Yo, bro. Talk to me. Yeah, that, 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 that was it. That, that was, was it right it. there. That was it. That shit hurt my heart, man. To this day, I still feel like hmm. <laughs> I was like, God to you niggas. Because you know somebody you really looked up to and you'll you you'll jump in front of bullet for a nigga. Or you'll do a thousand years for a nigga to make it look like I was just a crash dummy. Right. Nigga, I was never no crash dummy, man. I look at this shit like the mafia, nigga. We took, we took oaths for this shit. You know what I'm saying? So I looked at it like that. So when I heard that part, I'm like, God, to you niggas. I, I took that shit. Fuck me up. That's what really made me start the trip. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Um. But so okay, where do you guys go from there? Because it's like. I feel like you didn't have any face-to-face interaction with him for a while until, like, the Summer Jam incident, right? Nah, he came to my video shoot. Oh, really? I, I, was, doing a, I was doing a video shoot, Domination video, um, You'll Lose video. Shout out to Zodiac Fish Grease. He shot that um that video. That's a big producer at the time. He did a bunch of Foxy Brown and all them, training them, you know, nav videos back then in the 90s. He was a dope um director. He, he at that video shoot, Fifty pulled up. Him and Banks came up. Like again, my attitude again. You heard? I think he really. Now when I look back at it, I, I think he came just to check your temperature. Like, come here. I think he came to give me a hug when I look back at it now. But it's just my aura, my attitude at the time. Cause remember all that shit he's saying. I'm like, God, oh, you niggas. I'm like this. I'm like that. 
I remember that time we making noise on the music scene because I just landed a deal, a record deal with Koch, a distribution deal with Koch Entertainment for my company for Domination. Unheard of at the time. You dig? So we making noise at the, at the time. So he hearing about all this. The guy actually came to my video shoot. He left. That was, I think that was the time it was Super Bowl in Phoenix. He came all the way from Phoenix, helicopter, all that, boom, 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 just to see what I was really doing. But when he came out, I was too aggressive and shit. Mm. So, like, he had some um, security big white boys with him. They was pulling him back and was like, yo, let's get out of here. But <laughs> I think he really did came, came diplomatic that time. But like I said, my attitude at the time, I was young and ignorant. You were just but too angry I, to I accept it? Now, like, he really came to give me a hug like, damn, bro, I like what you're doing. You really make, you got it. I like it. You're Basically, what he told you to go do, he sat you back down for four yeah. months. He's starting to hear you make a noise. He go check yeah. it, but in your head, man, this nigga didn't send me back. Like you know, what I'm saying yeah. he trying to little man's me, and then you come yeah. at him a little I, aggressive. I, I, had to, I had to do it all by myself again, mm. but we did it so quick. He he and all was impressed, you know. So that was like that. I, that was the first time I actually seen him when I got kicked off a tour. But it was just a. It wasn't really no words. It was just, y'all, fuck out of here. And he just looking like this and shit. Him, Banks, and Buck was there. You dig? So, you know. Like I said, it probably was, he probably really did came to show love that day. But I was just, you know, I was still in my feelings. And then the last time was Summer Jam. Yeah. Right. So what was your plan when you guys pulled up? That was my plan, to go up there and harass them niggas the whole time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got 20 tickets front row. I bought the whole Jamaica Queens with me. It's so old black, though. Everybody from the hoodie grew up, one, three, four. You did, because remember, my community loved me, too. I, even though 50 is a big stepper, I, in my generation, the young boys, I was a big stepper because I was the young boy with all the OGs. You know, back then, hip-hop always had a baby boy in the crew, a young nigga. They're like five, ten years younger than them. Yeah, that was me. I'm outside with the OGs. And so I was just a different guy my whole life, like, you know? So me and Fifth, yeah, so you know how this shit go. But so the, the Summer Jam situation, like chairs start getting thrown yeah, and all I got, that? I, 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 I had a homegirl that used to work up there, right? So I'm like, yo, man, I ain't gonna mention her name and shit. Because I'm still banned from her 97 and that shit to this day. <laughs> so boom, yeah, to this day. So boom. I call my homegirl. I'm like, yo, man, what's up, man? I need some link. I need like, yo, I need like 20 summer jam tickets. She was like, damn, I don't think I could get all of that for you. Like, then we getting money. So I say, yo, I don't care the cost of that. Just get 20 tickets from me. So long story short, I got a good deal on the tickets. And I bought 20 front row tickets. And I told my niggas, we just going to go there and harass them niggas the whole night. We just going to taunt them niggas. I ain't, we ain't, I ain't say we was going to throw chairs or none of that. I ain't playing none of that shit. I just said we going to go there and taunt them niggas because we're in the front row. We just going to be rowdy all night. Let them see us because I had to go to jail the next month. So I'm like, man, they got to, I had to go to jail. So I said, fuck that. I got to do something where they were going to remember me forever. You dead? So I was like, yeah. And it, it, it worked out like that. But he started it though. Like the That's what I was going to say. So how long did it take? And could you see him seeing y'all and he started he to get a look? the whole time. That's why, like, see, we on the right side of the, of the stage. He stayed on the left side the whole time. That's why, if you ever notice, you go back, he stayed on the left side. That's why he was always on the left side. The, the first 20 seats on the front row. The right side, that was all us. So he couldn't take it no more. I knew, I know him, so. And then we started throwing the GF record shirts on the stage because we went there with our SVG shirts. We throwing it on stage and all that. 
You dig? But but banks, banks really started it first too, though, because banks came over and threw money in the air. You right? Mm. So then we threw money back, man. Bro, squad, we threw money back at them niggas, you right? <laughs> so I guess that's when 50 got a little irritated, like, oh, these niggas, he, they stunting, stunting. You right? So yeah. Right. You, you, over. you didn't get arrested or anything after that? or? Nah, they couldn't find us, man. Let me see how much. <laughs> There's a million motherfuckers in there, man. When I dip through the crowd, nigga, I'm from Jamaica, Queens. You ain't finding me. I'm gone. <laughs> right. Know? But long story short, so when he threw the water on me, I tried to jump over the barricade. That's when the security and all them stopped me in Europe. And that's when my homie wound up throwing the chairs. So they was just really baiting the security at first. And then one of my homies had just threw one directly at fifth, and he caught the shit. <laughs> he did. He caught it. <laughs> so... So once they start throwing the chairs, now what's the vibe? Now it's up. We hype. They, they hype. We hype. That's when the um the troopers came out. That's when we had to get low. Then the, the, the state troopers was coming out, the police mm. and shit. So we we had to dip through the crowd and get up out of there. You heard? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everybody made it. Everybody <laughs> made it safe. Shout out to my cousin Low. See um. He came out barefooted. He he lost both his sneakers that night. <laughs> <laughs> was there a uh, was was there a direct response in a song to that? Yeah, um, them niggas ain't hood. That was a distance. Them niggas ain't hood. Oh okay. And yeah. so w- was that around the time that the like like how often have you guys gone back and forth since then, or has it been like dormant for a long ass time since then? Now we still we still throw our little shots at each other, you oh, know. Okay. But the the thing is, I'm off that way. You did like I'm off that way. How long? They, how they long was throw. it after that that you seen that he seen the clip where he was like, "That's my baby." How that make you feel? That that's my I baby that, clip. I seen that in Trinidad. Uh, so you was already deported. Oh yeah, because the reporter asked how you feel about Smurf being deported, and then he says, yeah. "That's my baby. That's my son." How you feel about that one when he said that? So um, I wasn't really, that don't really, that didn't really bother me, mm. you know, because I looked at it like he's he being sarcastic, like you know, that's my baby boy. He trolling, you know it's like that. Everybody will want me to be their baby boy because I'm I'm a I'm a real stepper, you know? so that's like a, a a play for me being somebody baby, nigga. I'm a stepper for real, my nigga. You feel me? So I wasn't mad at that. Like at the end of the day. The only thing I was mad at them when I came out of jail, because before I came out of jail, I send them a sincere letter. Like, I send them a letter, you know what I mean? Open enough to apologize. Let them know I'm not on that vibe no more. You did. I was about to come home, send them a letter. And then that's the time Buck and them niggas was beefing. Buck beefing with 50 at the time. They had they fall out. So me and Buck was in communication when I came home. You know, I was reaching out. And he was the one that told me, like, nigga, you know, we celebrated when you got deported, nigga. I said, what? That nigga's threw a party? Hmm. That's what hurt my heart. Like, my nigga, how the fuck y'all nigga celebrated because I got deported? Like, that's a diss, nigga. You know what I mean? So that's when I came back to Trinidad, man. Like, fuck them niggas, man. Right. So why did you get deported? What what led to that? Yeah. Um, me not being a citizen. Yeah. I was a permanent resident, but not a citizen. But you had had a, a bunch of cases that led to this, right? Yeah. No, this case led to that because they considered that an aggravated felon. Every other case I had before that, I, I beat. No, when they raided my crib for the two gun, 
I did 30 days, but that was a misdemeanor because the gun was in the house. An aggravated felon in this case, my last case here, yeah. anything considered an aggravated felon and you're a permanent resident, they're going to revoke that. Mm. Yeah. So what year was that? Did that happen? That was 2008. I got deported. I came back to Trinidad. Ah, so what what what's life like out there, and and does it does it sting to not be able to return? Yeah, it, it definitely sucks not be able to come back home. But at the end of the day, you know, I make it work. I do what I do. It's definitely it, this shit like a baby Mexico. I live trying to that that this shit violent down here. Like you know, we right next door to Colombia and Venice, so you know it's brutal. Ain't nothing but drugs and cocaine flowing down here. Mm. You know I mean, I've been down here fifteen years, man. So. And I do a lot for my country, too. You know, I do a lot of social development for the kids. Back to school drives every year, you know what I mean? Free food, school supplies, all that. So, you know, I came down here and really changed my life around. A big 360. That's dope. Like, how much weight does your name hold on account of, like, just the stuff you've been associated with in the past? I'm assuming that it's, like, a, a topic of interest around town. Yeah, of course, man. They love me. The government, the police, the so everybody. And then the things I do down here. And then you got all the, the entertainers come fuck with me when they hear French Montana, shout out to French Ross, Fredro Star, shout out to Fredro, that's my dog. Um, Buster Rhymes, Flip Star, like Trinidad James, shout out him. The list goes on. So you know when when they touch my city, they link up and fuck with me when they hit Trinidad. Have Ray you ever? Kwan, shout out to Ray Kwan. Have you ever attempted to come home? Yeah, you know, I was, they, they shut me down a million times, man, because remember, them, them people still don't like me, man. Mm. Uh, but you, you remember, would, them people still don't like me, man. You attempted in but the I'm sense that back, you, like... I'm going to definitely come back. I'm going to come back. But, but you, you're, you've attempted in what sense? Is there, like, a form that you got to try to figure out, fill out yeah, to try to come back? First, we got a right to all them um we got to write to all the Congress and all them, like, you dig? So my lawyer been doing all that, you dig? So, but right now they just changed the law for aggravated felons to get their working visas. So that's what I'm working on right mm. now. Get my working visa and I can pull back up, go back and forth. That'll be fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, I mean, what else do you have going on in your life? Like, uh, like what, what keeps you motivated at this point in your life? Oh, uh, man, my, my son, I just had a little son. Raziel, he turned 20 months, so he keep me focused now, you dig? And then I got my other son, Todd Banks, in America. He out there in Queens, he an artist, you dig? So what really keep me motivated is, is just, just being out here, seeing poverty, man. Like, I just want to motivate the youths out here, so that's why I do. They keep me motivated. The youths out here just doing better for them, just seeing a smile on their face, you heard? Right. Do you think that they're... Like, do you think there's a chance of you and 50 becoming cool again at some point? Or, or do you think that that's kind of the ship has sailed? Let me tell you something, my brother. Them guys love me. It's just I'm not there actually in the physical form now with the, the mentality I got to really sit down and chop it up with them. But I could see them anywhere in the world is going to be love, my brother. That's, that, that's family, bro. The type of things I did for him personally, he could never forget that. But me and him, we got, like, the same ego, same pride. So that's where we clash at. We got that same attitude, that same don't-give-a-fuck attitude. We mm. stubborn. Yeah, they, but that's my brother, man. Them niggas love me, man, and I love them niggas, man. And I say that because every time they see my family in the States, it's love. You dig? It's love. Yeah, you all see my kids or whatever. It's love. Like, it's love. 
like I said, 50 my son Godfather, you dig me? It's just me and his situation, you dig? But like I said, I'm 42 now. Shout out to Fifth, man. It's all love. For sure. Uh, yeah. You got anything else? And, and I know you're going to see this because you top five, one of the biggest <laughs> podcasts. He's going to see like, it. Definitely, bro. <laughs> He definitely gonna see it, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he definitely. The, he, yeah. yeah, but he, he he know what it is. I ain't here to you know what I mean throw dirt on nobody name no more. Niggas is grown men. Now I'm 42. Adams, man, niggas getting old. Bro. <laughs> I'm 39, <laughs> so, so I feel you. That's growth for sure. Uh, All right, Bangham Smurf, we appreciate you uh, sharing your story with us. Doubt, man, I appreciate y'all for having me, and I'm about to drop my past my podcast too. I'm working on that now. That's what I'm working on. Fire. Oh, I like that idea. That's, that's that could be big. Yeah, so I'm waiting for my studio space to get renovated right now. That should be ready like next month. So. For sure. Yeah. All right, appreciate Doubt, you, man. man. Man, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me, man. Much love. Bang smirk. Yo, God, salute, man. God bless y'all, man. I made it to no jumper. You know, after <laughs> the day, the stock's going up. You can't even talk to me right now, right? That's a fact. Uh, thank you to my man, Suspect, for co-hosting. Got to. Yeah, man. Shout out to y'all. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you, dog. Much love.